Hi there, church family. Good to be with you today as we do our midweek discussion, the sermon recap we try to do each each week. We hope it's helpful for you. Um, we enjoy enjoy doing it, diving into these passages together. Uh, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We'll probably be in this again this coming week, uh, but there's a couple different points that I thought were worthy to bring out and to spend time on a whole sermon on, on each one. Um, but you'll remember in first Timothy chapter one, that Paul is giving a defense for the gospel and encouraging Timothy to fight for this against some false teachers that are in, that are in the church. Well, it doesn't stop here. Uh, Paul in chapter two is still addressing Timothy and the church and what the church is supposed to do, the church actions that are supposed that are required. And in talking about the gospel, talking about himself, um, how saying he was like the worst sinner, the chief of sinners, the foremost of sinners, but it was the gospel that saved him, not the not the law, not anything added to it. It was the blood of Christ that did this. Um, he now goes to talk about in chapter two. Uh, he again addressing the church. He is bringing up the point about he well he'll say Christ being the mediator, which we didn't talk about in this message, but he begins by saying first of all then, and he talks about prayer. First of all, then it talks about prayer. Now, I wanted to give this opportunity to you two uh, because I, I mentioned that Spencer uh, had brought this up when we were talking about the whole first of all thing. And I posed this question to the congregation, and I wanted them to sit on it for a little bit. When writing a letter to a church and you pen the thing first of all, what do you say? Right? What what do you What do you say? Hmm. Um, and I had mentioned how I get letters on my desk and some different things about this is what a church needs. And I, I'm not saying that I hope it don't come across that these companies are saying the number one thing that you need in the church is um, a, a bouncy house in the back. I'm not saying that <laughs> it, it comes across that way kind of sometimes. But um, yeah. <laughs> we do get plenty of letters saying this is almost like the secret. This will really push you over the edge. This is the thing. Um what what have you guys come across when when faced with stuff like that? Like, first of all, this is probably what a church should be. This is what a church should should do. Um, what have you guys heard? What have you guys been told? Maybe in seminary or different things. But also, what do you tend to think is the real answer people would give? Not the church answer, not the biblical answer. Even at times, what is what do you think at times would be the real answer people would give? Of first of all, we think. This is what is important for the church if we are going to be sharing the gospel. Anything? So you're saying like if, you know, like a, um, an organization or whatever that sends a letter that, or basically communicates like, first of all, this is, you're saying what I mean would, that or even like your normal church member. Oh, okay. like, like let's say a normal church member gotcha. was going to write you a letter and mm-hmm. say, Pastor, first of all, I think this is what the church should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things that we, you're going to hear? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think today um, you're going to hear um, <laughs> music needs to be top notch. Yeah. That's, the, that's for some, you know, for some reason that is the number one thing you hear oftentimes in churches is it needs to be a certain way and a certain style or whatever, or it'll be like, um, we need to make sure the pastor is dynamic. Mm-hmm. And or, or you just need to make sure you're putting on a really good front face to mm-hmm. the community. Um, oftentimes, those kinds of things are. Whenever I think about 
what oftentimes people today think of what makes a successful church. It's that mixture mm-hmm. of dynamic, charismatic, and by that I don't mean Pentecostal. I mean, you know, just having a a very uh, charismatic personality up there, very dynamic speaker mm-hmm. who can uh, motivate or whatever. Um, and then a, I'm going to say that because oftentimes this is the phrase worship experience mm-hmm. that is what I want. And then also this very uh, public and what is oftentimes regarded as a very positive posture or uh perspective of the church in the community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those three things i think seem to be what we most people and especially if you think about this whole area of well i think one of the ways you can think about that too is is church revitalization that's a that's a that's a uh, yeah yeah. i don't even know that i like that word but that's a word that that's a phrase that's often uh talked about in uh in church circles. And so if you're saying, if uh, a church or a denomination or somebody comes in and says, what do we need to do to quote, bring this church back to life as if the church is dead, Mm -hmm. um, which is impossible if there's believers there, it's not dead. Um, so, um, so what do you need to do? And oftentimes it revolves around those three things. Mm -hmm. I, I would add one more. What I've heard is, you know, what, like, like, like kind of catering toward different lifestyles. Like, what do you have for my kids? You know, what do you have for, you know, singles? You yeah. know, what do you have for whatever age Children group? especially. Yeah, children especially. It's like basically like, I, I remember, this has been years ago, I was, I was in my 20s, but I remember, you know, one church slogan, we're a spiritual mall, we're, we're, a, we're a shopping mall of spiritual opportunities. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, I don't really even Gosh. like like a mall, <laughs> like like the mall. <laughs> Second of all, that's very consumeristic, but the idea was, no. we're going, yeah, no. <laughs> the idea was we're, we want to cater to you, to meet you, you know, to, to mm-hmm. whatever lifestyle, lifestyle stage you're in Mm -hmm. and so i think that's a big thing people are like what what does this have to offer me and my kids or me and my family whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah and to be fair with this question i mean paul is talking to new churches so like Mm -hmm. setting it setting it up and so again i just want to be fair to people because i think if if you had joe schmo church planter here who was starting from scratch i think a lot of people i would hope a lot of people would tell him first of all uh, get the gospel right. Yeah, I would hope that that would be the case. You know, or first of all, be a be a people of the word. But I think this other stuff that you guys are saying would be added pretty quick to that. Mm-hmm. And I think some people approach it like if we hear from members here about whatever you know what the things you guys said. I think there is a base there that it's not necessarily first of all. It's like well, first of all, we hope we have the gospel right. We're doing that, but but this will enhance or this mm-hmm. will help. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say that to be to be fair to everybody because mm-hmm. I don't know who would say, first of all, in planning a church, first music. I, I don't know I how many people would people say that. People wouldn't but, say that. Right. I, yeah. That's yeah. the thing is no one says it, but whenever you look in practice. Right, yeah. And that, no, you're that's right. kind of the thing where it's like, don't do what I say, but see what I do. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's what we're doing is we're looking at the the actual, because at the, you're, you're, you're entirely correct. If you go to um, certain circles, there there's going to be a heavy dose and at least talking about the importance of the preached word. Mm-hmm. But then whenever it comes down to when the rubber meets the road, 
um, that preached word oftentimes has to come through a certain type of personality. Right, yeah. And that mm-hmm. preached word often has to be Which buffered. becomes more important than the preached word. Yes, and yeah. then it has to be buffered on both mm-hmm. ends by a certain worship experience so that the preached word can then be received, supposedly. Yeah, and so instead of a preacher being called out by God and being approved of the church, instead it's a, it's almost like a beauty pageant contest. It becomes personality-driven yeah, rather than word-driven. Mm-hmm. Um and and the, and I think what we lose then is that God uses there is no Christian personality type. There's not, and that's yeah. and that's the problem is whenever we think one personality type, which is often a very uh, a type A driven, funny, whatever that is that is the only that's that becomes the only personality type God can use to be a pastor, mm-hmm. right? And which for people like me, then that would leave me out. Because I'm not any of those things, you right. know. Um, so I think when the word is truly front and center, um, or prayer, public prayer, like we're talking about here, well, that that automatically, um, I think, changes the whole dynamic of a church. Yeah, and so that's where Paul goes, right? He says, first of all, uh, you guys need to be praying, right, with all supplications, with all prayers, with thanksgivings, with intercession. You guys need to be praying, and he says, for all people. It's not even... I would say in in scripture, most of the time when you see a church being addressed and it's talking about prayer, it's talking about for like the people in the church with you. A lot of times, yeah. care for each other, be there for each other. And it's not talking about the outside world, but yet here, that's what we have. We have Paul talking about beyond the walls of your group, beyond mm-hmm. the family unit of the church family there, mm-hmm. be praying for all people. And he specifically goes to the kings and the people in the high positions. And so prayer is something that's important. Now, Spencer, you said something where it said, where you said people would say that, but when you watch their practice, you're going to see something very different. Uh, I think we could definitely speak about prayer in this life. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody in the church will say prayer is important, mm-hmm. but then it's like, well, let's see how it's practiced. Sure. And in this case, let's see how it's practiced publicly mm-hmm. within your church body. Right. Um, and that is a telling thing. Uh, I, you know, how many prayers do we have in a morning service? That is an important thing to look at. What are those prayers structured like? You know, are, mm-hmm. are they purposeful or is it just little tag-ons? You know, like mm-hmm. uh, I remember not long ago, we would have like a prayer for uh, offering, like before the offering, and it always just felt like a tag-on. You know, it was just something real quick. And sometimes there was a prayer right before it for something and then I was like oh yeah now we got to pray for offering okay and now let's pray for offering it just right, didn't right. feel genuine i guess but it was a prayer uh in there mm-hmm. and so i think we need to ask that question you know publicly in our church life is are we practicing prayer how we say we believe mm-hmm. prayer to function scripturally mm-hmm. yeah and i don't i think that i would say for I would say for most, if not all, individual Christians I've met, prayer is a hard thing for them. Yeah. It's a struggle. And I would say when you examine a lot of churches, you can tell that prayer is a struggle for them also. And that's something that uh, we have mm-hmm. to be careful with. Like for us, I started thinking about this a while back uh, when we – we didn't have Wednesday night services for a while when COVID came and stuff. And then we didn't have them and we were going to replace that with some other things we tried and it didn't work too well. And, uh, 
I I wasn't a huge proponent, honestly, of bringing Wednesday nights back. I just didn't see the purpose. I didn't see it functioning well. And uh, but this is what got me back into thinking. Okay, I think this is what Wednesdays could be. It was prayer, because when I looked at our church schedule, right, and I because when we looked at our church schedule, it was like, well, here's Bible studies. Here's an opportunity to hear preaching. Here's another opportunity to hear preaching. I felt like we were crossing off all the boxes that we needed, but there was one box that I saw kind of as empty, and it was an opportunity for public prayer together as a church family. And I mean, I mean that different than like our Sunday morning prayers, mm-hmm. but like actually a time to, you know, what are some requests? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things we need to be pleading out to God about together? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can break up and do this in little groups or whatever. I, we didn't have that opportunity in the schedule. And so that's, in in the end, for me, that's why Wednesdays came back was mm-hmm. because this gives us an opportunity to spend an hour in in prayer as a church family. Now we have other things, you know, with the kids and they use some different stuff, but it was like we do have this option here mm-hmm. of the focus is, is prayer time. And so when when I do the Wednesday nights, it's been me and Spencer doing it. But when I do the Wednesday night prayer, I think I read I usually read three to four prayers that somebody else had wrote. Um I usually pray myself at least once, sometimes twice, sometimes at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And then I break them up into tables of where they pray Mm -hmm. there as well. So that's like six to seven prayers that are going on at the, at the time Mm -hmm. to try to make it very focused on, on prayer. Right. Um, what do you guys think? That's my, that's kind of my opinion on public prayer of how it's practiced and how it's perceived in, in church life. But then also, then also here, um, what are your thoughts here on what Paul is talking about about public prayer in the in the prayers for for all people, not just within the church body, but outside the walls as well? Anything? I think most people, whenever they read this passage, they like you're you're helpfully been pointing this out. This is a public prayer because most of the time people think about prayer and it's like this is an individual thing, uh, but primarily prayer is public and corporate and and part of the church community. That's first and foremost. And second of all, um, I think, um, and Ferguson in his, he's got a little book that, uh, on the devoted to God's church and about, there's a section on prayer, but prayer puts us in a place. We, we pray whenever we realize we can't do stuff. When we come to the realization that we are, uh, weak and insufficient mm-hmm. in and of ourselves to do something. And God has to, by his, by, the way that God brings us to that is oftentimes through suffering or through conviction of our sin through the law or um, whatever that may be. And that drives us to prayer. And so at, at he points this out in his book that we we will pray basically to the extent that we really think we're dependent on God. And if we don't pray, it's because we really don't, we haven't learned yet truly um, that apart from him, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is, that's, that's one of the things that Paul's just talked about grace and just talked about um the use of the law yeah. and the and the fact of of our salvation by grace in Jesus Christ, 
And in light of that, the only response then is to go to God in prayer because it's a, it's a realization that we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I, I remember too, right? And you probably have heard this story where Spurgeon, I think, was asked about the success. What what was the source of his ministry's success? And he took somebody to a room where there was tons of people praying. Mm. And he said, this, this right here, this is where it's at. Because they were praying, uh, I'm assuming, probably for him, for the ministry, for the people there, for the community, whatever. Um, so people like Spurgeon understood the importance of prayer um, to their, their ministry. And I, I would suppose, too, that... Um, um, maybe, and this is my own life. I'm not talking to everybody else. This is me too. The reason why I don't pray as much as I should is because, um, I don't think I need God that much. And, uh, that's just the reality. Yeah. Um, and so, <clears throat> uh, I just think that that drives prayer mm-hmm. a lot is yeah. dependence on God, the gospel. And, and I think it, it's, I think that's a really good thing. And Paul here, you know, this, this idea, first of all, I, I was looking this up. <clears throat> I, I was kind of thinking in this terms, but, or in this kind of line, but I wanted to confirm. But the, the word that he uses in Greek is uh, parakalao, which is basically, he used it quite often. It, it's a call to arms. It's a sense of urgency. He used it in, in Romans 12, 1. You know, therefore, I urge you, mm-hmm. you know, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So it's it's kind of a military word. And it's also kind of like a, like a, like a, uh, like, like a coach or sports word in the sense of like, come on guys, let's let's get in the game, let's do this. It's very much like a a call to action, <clears throat> and I think that's really important because we need that urge, right? We need that kind of push because we are, like you said, Spencer, we're naturally bent inclined to be dependent on ourselves to try to be self-sufficient you know um, autonomous independent all that and i think paul is saying here's what's really important Paracalao, i urge you i call you to uh, to prayer to supplication to intercession and it's a good reminder for the church that yeah this is really important we need to do this that's it's easy to get away from intercession from praying for What's going around, like you mentioned, Pastor Tim, you know, uh, with praying for missionaries, praying for Christians all around the world who are going through challenges. I mean, they, 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 can't, they can't just come to church like we can. They, they can't even sometimes have a Bible, whatever. You know, it's a, it's a reminder. Paul is reminding this, the churches in Ephesus to get on, get in the game and do this. And I think that's a really important principle for us a good lesson for us to be reminded i was reminded of that sunday like how important it is to be praying and and prayer seems to set the uh at least here um because it seems like there could be divisions going on in this church yeah but prayer is something that is going to kind of set the tone yeah for everybody else um it seems like with the men and and the women in in the congregation he's calling them uh, uh to this and also and I think uh, this is an important aspect of prayer, too, because oftentimes we think prayer is about, and the, the reality is God can't change, but we sometimes think prayer changes God. Mm. I've got to move, I've got to pray so that I can move God to answer my prayers. Actually, God doesn't need prayer. We do. Mm-hmm. And so actually God uses prayer to change us. Mm-hmm. Prayer is because we're supposed to pray according to his will. And when we do that, God is actually using prayer. The Father is using prayer to change us, to become like him, not 
us trying to get him to become like us. And I think that's an important thing as well, is whenever we're praying according to the will of God, asking for things according to his will, uh, which he tells us some things right here that are according to his will, then we are being brought into conformity Mm -hmm. with his will for us and for the world at Mm -hmm. large. Yeah, when we pray publicly, it kind of does what um, the Sabbath does when we gather on the Lord's Day to worship, right? One of the things about gathering on the Lord's Day is to rest. And you're resting and trusting in God. You're trusting in His provisions and in His care, yeah. right? There's there's this aspect that a lot of people struggle with. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I got to keep working. I got to mm-hmm. keep moving. I got to keep going. I got things to do. But part of that day is is to rest and to remember who created everything, mm-hmm. right? And who mm-hmm. God is and who's in control. I think prayer is similar to that as we pray publicly together. It reminds us of how little we can do. But too often prayer is seen as um, something unimportant in a service. Like, well, I could preach longer. Or we could sing another song, Mm -hmm. right? Or we could have a testimony. Or we could do these other things that seem to be a lot more productive Mm -hmm. than just one person standing at that microphone and praying and everybody listening to it. Right, that so there's like this productiveness that we feel is missing because we're praying, but really it helps center us, or it should, back to the Word of God, like you said, to remember who He is, and that He is the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. That that He is the one that is never changing. That as Paul is that what Paul is talking about here, that He is the one that saves people. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. He's the one that sent His Son to save people, mm-hmm. and we need to be reminded of that. And so the here it tells us, Paul tells us that when we pray to God, it pleases him. When we pray for the lost, when we're praying for the people in high positions, mm-hmm. it pleases God to do that. Now, when, when it comes to like worship on Sunday morning, what do we come to do? We come to worship God and we, we want to please him. Well, we have something written very clearly here that pleases him. Mm-hmm. Pray. Yeah. Pray yeah. together. And pray for the loss. And so you can almost check the box off when you leave. It's like, I pleased God today. I prayed. And we prayed for the loss together. Right? And right. and this this pleases him. This honors him. And so, yes, we did that. You know, goal, goal accomplished. It might not have been fancy. You know, it might not have been spectacular. It might not have been out of the ordinary. It might not have wowed anybody. But it pleased God today because we aligned with him. He, we're doing what he's asking us to do. And it pleases him when we when we pray, mm-hmm. and I listen. And I I say that like you had mentioned, I am much more of a someone. I would say, could you get off your knees and stop praying and like help me wash the dishes today? <laughs> like that would be something that I would say. Like I need you to do something. You're just sitting there praying, and I I think there's a ba- there is a balance to that. Like there is to everything mm-hmm. else, right? Um, but we have to be people of. Of prayer, well, that's what Paul's it, stressing. I mean, here. like we don't do this, but like I've heard the story, right? Luther said, "I've got so much more to do. I need to spend more time in prayer." <laughs> yeah, right. Like, exactly that, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's the opposite the way we think. Yeah, yeah, and it's good. I mentioned this in the in the message. I'm thankful that God allows us to pray for the lost. Right? I'm thankful that God allows us to be to be active. I know for some of us that doesn't seem like much, but it, like like Spencer said, we don't have to pray. Mm-hmm. Or for for God for mm-hmm. God's purposes, right? He didn't need that. He didn't. He didn't need our prayers for something to get accomplished. He doesn't. He doesn't need my prayer for one of my loved ones to come to know the Lord. But yet, 
he allows me to do that in his great plan. And that's, mm-hmm. that really is something uh, special to me, at least when I think about it. Cause I, I am one of those, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be on a team that wins the championship, but then they're like, well, what'd you do? I mean, I set the bench the whole time. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's just not something that I would enjoy and like, and God doesn't do that for us mm-hmm. though. Right. He, he saves us. But as we talked about in Sunday school this week, we're now a part of his kingdom. We're a part of his body. We're a part of his family. Mm-hmm. And part of that that we get to do is we get to we get to pray. And I'm sure people listening have prayed for people who are lost in their family. And maybe they prayed for years. And then all of a sudden, God saves that person, right? And that's an awesome thing that you get to witness that. You get to see mm-hmm. that. You got to be you got to be a part of that, right? That's a that's such a privilege that God gives us. I think, yeah, and allowing us to do that work. I think too tied into that is one of the surprising things about what Paul wants us to pray for, and one of our motivations is what you brought out in the sermon that we may lead a peaceful and yeah, quiet yeah, life. Right. Yeah. Um. So I think also in in conjunction with prayer, you need to ask yourself, and this is one of the reasons why prayer is important because it also then helps us to understand, okay. What is the purpose of my Christian life here? And, um, you know, so is my, is my job here to um, redeem America as far as the politics are concerned? Or is my job to, um, you know, uh, change this or that? And one of the things I think is, and this is the ironic thing about American, uh, I think this is a very American thing, is to, on the one hand, we will rail about materialism. And then one of the things that happens amongst, especially, um, this happens oftentimes amongst younger evangelicals, and then they try to press the radical card. We're going to be radical, and we're going to push against materialism. And one of the things is, is you get this feel, kind of like what you were saying, Tim, was, you know what, if we were really like suffering, like China, our church would really grow. Right, yeah. Well, God can grow the church through persecution, but we're not supposed to pray for that. And I think it's actually a good thing whenever, you know, in a, in a society today, right? So, um, you know, cultural Christianity is not saving, but it's also not a bad thing either. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's a, it, God uses that to save people eternally. And similarly here, our goal is that we can live a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way and that doesn't sound very exciting because it's not radical and it's not very uh uh, it's not like going out to change the world and in especially in america in in american uh, particularly i think about youth or college conferences that's not what people no one's going out there and and this is they're going to be their their banner verse live a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way but that's what we're supposed to pray for Mm-hmm. The prayer should lead us to that because actually that's part and parcel of how God um, brings about the salvation of souls, I think. Um, and so I think about verses like that or like First Thessalonians where Paul says, you know, um, <clears throat> do your work with your hands. And so prayer actually then, um, actually, what it does actually is it actually makes everything I do holy because paul talks about that later on in first timothy right where the food that we receive right is everything created by god is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of god and prayer 
So now instead of going out into the world to go find a bunch of holy things to do that are distinctively holy things, everything I do, whether it be my boring job or my working with my family or whatever is now holy because through prayer, it's, it's all part of God's plan and purpose. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense, but it's like it makes, it makes everything important rather than, and it makes the ordinary important and not just simply those radical things that I think are, are what real Christians do, or I feel guilty because I'm not doing that. Yeah. And in, in prayer, I prayer, it plays a part in that you see. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to say this as a negative. I don't mean it as a negative, but what catches our eye is the unordinary, right? What yeah. catches our eye is Paul. Right, he's a missionary, and he look at all this stuff he did, and look, oh, he died for for Christ, and that's what that's what catches our eye. Or we look back in history, and what catches our eye are, um, like the people at the Reformation. Wow, look at what they did, you know, and and that's what we start to think about about being a good Christian. Or these are the extraordinary things that I must do if I'm going to make my mark in this world as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But what we fail to forget is the millions and millions of very faithful Christians that God used in just miraculous ways who lived a quiet life mm-hmm. that we don't know their name. They don't have a grave that we can go to. It's pro- it's an unmarked thing, right? They they were just faithful in their family and taught their kids to, uh, to know mm-hmm. the Lord, and they died, and then their kids taught their kids to know the Lord, and they died. Yep. And that's kind of how it went. They lived a quiet life and a peaceable life that... Kind of like Jesus for his first 30 years. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think I was thinking about that with this. was like a lot of people would say he wasted 30. I don't know if they'd say 30 years, but like yeah. they would say maybe when he was 15, he could have done something kind of right. cool. He wasted like 15 years. Right, right. I mean, yeah, he, <laughs> he didn't go to any, you know, radical things or anything like that. He was just working in Nazareth. Yeah, just a carpenter. A carpenter's son. Yeah. Just just but the reality was he was living a perfect life. Saving <laughs> just just saving the world in obscurity. And Moses for forty years was taking care of sheep. Right, in the wilderness. Before he went, you know, to Egypt. Yeah. So Yeah. And I think too, also it's important to remember, like we think about some of those famous people like you brought up, they did they had extraordinary moments, but most of their life was simply filled with living a quiet right. and peaceful life, actually. <laughs> um and so uh but and again, though prayer forces us to look at faith, look by faith at things mm-hmm. instead of the way we judge them with our eyes. It forces us to look at them from God's perspective. Yeah, and so Paul says to pray for all, and he he mentions the kings and those in high authority, probably because those would have been people who uh, uh, they would have said don't deserve it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, now is this the Sacramento kings or <laughs> or is this this is they could use the prayer? They're actually doing. They're very good this year. Yeah, actually. they are very good. Their prayers are always good. good. <laughs> They are good. No, they, they haven't been good for they a long time. They haven't been good in a long time. They haven't been in the playoffs in like 16 years. Yeah. But this yeah. year they're talking pretty about, good. I'm, the not, I'm talking about the LA Kings. Oh, the I'm Sacramento. thinking hockey. He's thinking Sorry. hockey. <laughs> Sacramento <laughs> Kings. LA Kings. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're still in California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, at, but we're told to pray for these people. And I, I think that's a convicting thing of, of asking, you know, we, we see that pray for all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, we probably think about race. Which, in my circle, seems to not be a huge issue. I don't have a problem praying for all races. But I would guess a lot of us have people in our life who we would struggle to pray God's blessing on. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that we should, but it's a difficult thing to voice that prayer just because of whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever it might be in our life that we don't like them. (laughs) They seem to not like us. When, When was the last time, Tim, you prayed for Ryan Day? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When was the... That's a good point. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, he needs to fix his beard. It looks like it's painted on. <laughs> okay, well... But see, right there, he's, I on. think Come it's showing you need to pray Come for... On. You need to pray for... I guess so. Yes, and they need... Are you paying for Patrick Mahomes and his ankle to get better? Before what? the Super Bowl? I, I'm praying an impre- <laughs> I'm praying an imprecatory psalm, right? That's also part of prayer, you know? Um. <laughs> oh, boy. No, but you're exactly right. I mean, we just don't, we don't think about that. But again, Paul stresses this as the first thing that you should do in your church family is public prayer. Why? Because it centers us, like we've been saying. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that some mystical way, like everybody, let's center ourselves now. But it, it helps us to realize, oh, yeah. We're the church. Mm-hmm. Remember what Paul said in verse 15? Christ came for sinners. He died mm-hmm. for sinners. And we need to be praying for all sinners. And there's a lot of them around us. Maybe we should take some time to do that, right? Maybe we should be praying for these who are lost, that God would reveal himself to them. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe God will use us to share the gospel with them. Maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. it's somebody else. I, I, I don't know. We don't care who it is. But God just, you know, it says in verse four that you desire all men to be saved. And so God, would you do that? Mm-hmm. Save people. Right. Um, and we have to make sure that we're faithful in, in doing that. Uh, and so, and, that, and he goes on there to say why we're doing that. What I just read, right? He says, this is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God, our savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And then he talks about how he was appointed apostle for this work. And Paul's just pointing out, look at this work that God has done. And what does it all boil down to? To save save sinners. Mm-hmm. And so go and pray for that and know that this pleases God as we do this, because we are being aligned to him in the same mission that God has. Well, And, and that's so important, again, because we're not asking God to have a heart to save people. No. It's because he loved us while we were yet sinners that he is changing us <laughs> to be imitators of him. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important where like again where as a church as a in our in the in the 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 grammar, the basic structure of our service and also of our thinking about the Christian faith is the gospel comes first and it's because of that that we then live in light of this way. So even that even applies to prayer. Because God is, there's one God and he's given the one mediator with the one ransom, therefore we pray. It's not we pray in order that God might send somebody. Mm-hmm. Because we wouldn't, we, we never want to pray for that, actually. It's only because he's come um, and because the promise came first that we then pray. And so you even see the structure of the gospel, uh, grammar, the way it works, um, already at work in, in these verses about prayer as well. Yeah, and so moving forward, I mean, this coming week, we'll probably focus on those verses 3 through 7. Uh, what does it mean that Christ is the mediator? You know, what it, what is really happening here? Uh, so really, uh, uh, hopefully, if I do it right, <laughs> a gospel message, a, a very gospel presentation. Um, and, and again, it's so that we can see this is God's heart. This is God's desire. And this should be our this should be our desire. I mean, that was something I encouraged the youth to do a lot when I was teaching the youth here and the kids was, you guys should be praying. You know, they're they're in this state of life of, of going to school, uh, thinking about college. What am I going to be? They have all this life in front of them, and I, I shared with them a lot that one of their prayers should be that 
their desire would be what God's desire mm-hmm. is for them. And that, that that can be a hard thing to realize and a hard thing to pray because, you know, you got kids who are like, I want to be an engineer. And they've wanted to be an engineer for a really long time. But maybe there is a different direction. Uh, and so praying, God, change my desire so that my desire lines up with what you would have for me. And so something as simple as, I don't desire to read your word. Pray, God, give me a desire to read your word. Like, make it something I, I, I want to do. Make it something that... Uh, I understand I need. And here we see a thing that we know is a desire of God's that we can easily match to is let's start by praying for all people. Let's pray for the people in authority over us, right? Let's pray for those people in high positions who I, chances are, will never talk to. I'll never have an opportunity to do anything with Mm -hmm. them. But let's pray for them uh, and pray that they would uh, allow me to live a peaceable life according to how God would want me to live it and that the gospel will go forth and pray that God will, will continue to save the lost. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's what we have here. And um, we ended talking Spencer a little about what me and you had talked about it was like, what, what would that eight year old need to learn from mm-hmm. this? And I, I hope that what I had said was, was right. I don't know if you guys would see something else, but I just said, man, look at, Look at how much God loves mm-hmm. people here. If he would mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about this obviously next Sunday. But look at how much God loves people that he would do all of this for them. Mm-hmm. And look at the love of God to ever question it. And that's what a lot of people question because of suffering, because of hurt. Mm-hmm. But when you when you see it, it's like look at how much he actually loves and cares for you. That's what that's what I would want from a children's church lesson on on first Timothy chapter two the first few verses mm-hmm. right yep. yeah i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys no i think i think it's exactly right our god's um our prayers should match uh god's will mm-hmm. and god's will is that it is pleasing to him whenever he's told i mean this is in the this is in the old testament too right ezekiel i have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but i rather desire that the wicked would repent and live he tells us that in ezekiel 18 similarly here god has God desires men to be saved. Yep. He is ready and willing, and uh, he's provided a sufficient atonement for the salvation of 10,000 worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's and he's he's the Savior. He's the one who got this whole train going mm-hmm. whenever we weren't even looking for it. We were we were wanting to run away and trying to justify our actions, and he's the one who who uh, in already in Genesis chapter 3 was, was seeking us when we weren't seeking him. Yeah. So I think our prayers then are, conform to and match his will and uh, that's mm-hmm. that's wonderful and i think that's why jonah struggled so much because it was that love that right. god had poured out to the ninevites and jonah just could not get over that they don't deserve it they deserve because they're a wicked people who were oppressing his people how can god show them love and mercy right. and right. It, it ends with silence we don't know what happened jonah well it's kind of a it's kind you of know? god's mic drop question yeah. at the very end right yeah. right so you're sad about the plant shouldn't i love all these people uh-huh uh, mic drop yeah that's like done yeah, yeah. and similarly I, I mean that's and the funny thing is jonah even says i knew I this knew is the kind i know that you're a god. <laughs> i knew you do this i've read <laughs> exodus and i know what you told me your name yes. is you're a god of steadfast love who yeah. forgives iniquity yep. i that's why i didn't want to come here yeah he knew it 
And so similarly, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's us. I I knew Jesus came for sinners. That's why I don't want you to. That's why I don't want to come and tell yeah. them about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this uh, coming Sunday, like I said, we'll continue in chapter two, verses one through eight there for our second part of that. So you can read that, study that, hopefully. Uh, We look forward, we look forward to getting that. And we hope to see you this coming Sunday. Uh, Lord willing, Super Bowl Sunday. Go Eagles. I can't say that. Go Eagles. It's not because I like the Chiefs either. I just don't like Philly in anything. I don't know why. I've never been there. I have nothing against them. Nothing against any of them. How about Rocky? He's Philly. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. What about that? <laughs> I just have never liked the Eagles. I've yeah. never liked the 76ers. I, I don't like the Flyers hockey. Yeah, the Flyers. Yeah, I've never been a. Who, who did they have? Uh, Lindros? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I know. He's just a goon. I didn't like much. him back yeah. in the day. You know, I just. <laughs> he was. There's no Philly what? team I've ever. The Phillies? No, I don't want them to win. I've never wanted Philadelphia to win. Something about the city. I, I have no idea. I'd like to go and eat there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, like. Yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, you think about those. I have nothing against hopefully, Kansas City Hopefully Chiefs. what they'll do is they'll go, go back and they'll just, like, replay the Philly special again. Just do that play again at the goal line. <laughs> That's what you want. That's what I want. I want Jalen Hurts to catch a touchdown. They call that the Philly special? <laughs> do you remember that play against the Patriots? Oh, you got to okay, go type I'll in. Go type, go type in, in yeah. Philly special. Who was the, what was the quarterback's name? Foles. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. How long ago was this? Recent, 2018 or 19? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. when they won the Super Bowl last with Doug John with Doug Peterson. Okay, yeah, they just well they won because Nick Foles is a Christian. Well, and Doug John, and Doug Peterson is too. Well, he Doug prayed. Peterson was. Hey, and he's yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a great. They've got a yeah. statue outside now of it, of that play call. Really? Because, yeah. Did you not know that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think they put up a statue <laughs> of the like of the quarterback the and the coach talking together because they're like at the goal line, right? And they're like, <laughs> like let's run the Philly special. Let's run the Philly special at, in front of the stadium. Yeah, I guess. I don't yes. know. I heard about this. They were going to put a statue out there, and you know, if anybody's still listening to, I did have somebody last night ask me, why don't we do like a Super Bowl party at the church? And I, I'm going to share with everybody why. It's because I like to watch the Super Bowl <laughs> and not talk and hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the reason. Uh, you're That's not valid, isn't it? R- right. No, you're you're exactly right because there are a number of people who would say, "Yeah, let's have a Super Bowl like party." Scott, who I isn't here, I didn't mention that, but Scott's not here. But Scott wouldn't watch any of the Super Bowl, and he'd be trying to talk and That's do what stuff I would be all the time. Probably. Be like, you know, I need you to get out of here. Yeah, like I like watching the Super Bowl, but I like hanging out and talking with people. I, I, mean, I would do that. It's like I want to watch. I want to laugh at the commercials. <laughs> yeah, oh, but I yeah. want to watch the game, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. No, they they've been. You know, yeah, time of possession right now. What do we got going on? When here? I first came back, <laughs> the youth did it, and so I did it for two years. And every year, there I would set up a big projector in the back. Yeah, have it. It was all kinds of work because we didn't have the mm-hmm. system to show the game. So I got to yeah. figure all this out. And there's me sitting in front of the screen while all the youth are playing ping pong or doing whatever yeah, behind yeah, me. Yeah. I know. I'm the only one watching. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, why am I doing worthless. this? It's worthless. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, I want to watch the game. So I stopped it. Yeah. So we're not doing these anymore. They, that's why that, it doesn't that's happen. Why. There that's you why. Go. If somebody else would like to do that, I'm they could, yeah. but don't have your feelings hurt when I, I'm not there. I, yeah, know, I, need to, I need to go back and look this up again. But I remember, I, this is one of those days whenever I was younger and I would just watch a ton of like NFL films stuff uh-huh. on TV. But I think there's like a sports bar or gathering in Philadelphia where they they've and they they root for the Chiefs. In oh, Philadelphia. Really? Whoa. Uh-oh. Yeah. And I think it's been there for It'll a long time. Be, it's probably burnt down. It already will be burnt <laughs> and down. So like I don't I don't know <laughs> if that thing still exists, but that would be a fascinating place to be. Yeah, to watch uh, the game. for the game. Because <laughs> the game's in what, Arizona? Yeah. 
Yeah. That, yeah. It's because it's the brotherly love, city of brotherly love. Say, yeah. They couldn't, yeah, have, yeah, Chicago. They couldn't have like a, you know, we're not going to watch the Cubs. We're going to watch, you know, whoever. You know, the they, Phillies they, are they the worst. That. They're the worst fans. They throw batteries at the people on the field. Batteries? Oh, yeah. They're horrible. Philly, yeah, Philly. It's the worst people. place. Philadelphia people are, are pretty yeah. rough with They'll their sports They'll do snowballs teams. but put rocks in them. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They're Wasn't it, was, was it the Philadelphia Veterans Stadium where Michael Irvin got hurt, his career ended? I don't know. I didn't like him either, so. Hmm. Yeah, I don't no. like Dallas. Yeah, no, I, I don't like Dallas. I don't yeah. either. Yeah. I never like Dallas. Yeah. Because yeah. I was a Redskins fan. That's but, why. You but, can't be a Redskins fan. You like did not just say that, Dave. I was told. Well, you can't say that. You meant, it's you the meant football, commanders? No, commanders? You meant commanders? I was a Washington fan. <laughs> the Washington football team I'm now known as the Washington Redskins. Commanders. <laughs> I'm still going to say uh, it. But, but coming up, we have the Battle Hawks coming up. Um, going to play beginning later this month. Who? St. Louis Battle Hawks. XFL. No, the Michigan Panthers. That's the USFL. Starting. I know, but that's what's starting. That's USFL. No, in February. They need a coach. XFL. Anthony Becht, the old Jets tight end, is their head coach, and they've got AJ McCarron, old Alabama quarterback, yeah. who's now going to be their quarterback. So, really? yes, okay. so well, it should be luck. a lot of fun. Me and me and brother Heath were talking XFL just last night. Wow, because he's rooting for the Orlando team. Well, he yep. was actually looking up whenever Orlando plays St. Louis. Who was Heath? Was wow. and he's like looking at the schedule to try to and, go, and, to and he's like, and we looked. And it was like, he's like, oh, I'm going to be in Israel during this time. <laughs> so what we to couldn't. Do, what to do? I don't, I don't know if he was thinking we were going to maybe drive to St. Louis, yeah, <laughs> fly to Orlando, <laughs> go see a game. So that's funny. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, all right. Hope you guys have a good week. Yeah. Like I said, hope we see you Sunday. God bless.